Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Felix and Susan Polk? Frank Polk was born in Vienna, Austria on June 30, 1932. He went by the name Felix. Within a few years, Felix was exposed to several life-threatening events as the war in Europe unleashed destruction. His family moved to the United States in 1941 to escape the war. They lived in Harrison, New York, where his father established a retail business. The family was financially successful, but not to the extent they were in Austria. Felix started high school late. He was 17. After graduating, he went to college and earned a bachelor's degree in 1953, and he enlisted as an officer in the U.S. Navy. He did not always perform particularly well in the Navy. He was depressed and anxious. The Navy said he was not content, but they believe he adjusted well during his service. Felix went on leave from the Navy in 1954 and was treated by a mental health clinician. His social anxiety interfered with various dimensions of his life, including dating. He used alcohol to reduce the anxiety. In 1955, Felix was transferred by the Navy to Brooklyn, New York. On October 16, after going out on a date with a woman, Felix returned home. He sat in the family car, which was parked in the garage. He started the vehicle and waited. In a manner of speaking, Felix was attempting to find an exit ramp one where there was no possibility of re-entering the highway. After 11 p.m., an anonymous call was made to the police. The police heard the car running in the garage and intervened. They saved his life. Felix enrolled in a college in Manhattan to pursue a master's degree in social work. He found a job as a social worker in Hawthorne, New York. A few years later, Felix married a 20-year-old woman named Sharon Mann. In 1960, Felix received an honorable discharge from the Navy based on having a physical disability. He and Sharon moved to California. The couple had a son in 1962 and a daughter in 1965. Felix enrolled at the University of California, Berkeley, and earned another bachelor's degree, as well as a PhD in clinical psychology. He completed a fellowship in England and returned to California in 1967. He worked for the county as a mental health professional 
Andy worked as an instructor at two different colleges in the area. During this time, Sharon worked as a piano teacher. Felix and his wife appeared to be getting along well. In 1968, Felix opened a private practice not far from his house. By the next year, Felix was so busy, he left his job with the county. In 1971, Felix was greatly influenced by a self-proclaimed New Age guru after attending a seminar. He believed the guru taught him more than he learned in his doctoral program, which does prove something about the doctoral program. Namely, it didn't teach him critical thinking skills. The next year, Felix started treating a 15-year-old named Susan Bowling, who was having trouble with panic attacks and was misbehaving. According to Susan, she and Felix had sex. Not long after this, Felix placed her in a mental health facility under the care of a friend of his. Felix agreed to release Susan as long as she continued to see him for counseling. Susan felt as though if she resisted having sex with Felix, she would be placed back in the mental health facility. At first, Susan was not happy with her encounters with Felix, but over time she considered them to be in a consensual romantic relationship. When Susan was 17, she told her mother what was going on with Felix. Her mother was furious and called Felix, telling him to end the relationship. Felix disregarded her command. On November 25, 1975, Susan turned 18. Now, no one could stop her from seeing Felix. Their relationship continued. Susan disclosed the relationship to another therapist, who in turn contacted Sharon. Susan claimed that Felix and Sharon were both angry at her for revealing the secret. She was surprised that Sharon wasn't directing her anger toward Felix. In October 1978, Felix separated from his wife. This was just a month after their 20th wedding anniversary. Over the next few years, Susan was not as enamored with Felix, but he was paying her college tuition, therefore she remained with him. In May 1981, Susan graduated with a bachelor's degree in English, Susan and Felix married on December 26, 1981. Divorcing Sharon to be with Susan was expensive for Felix. In the divorce settlement, Sharon was granted the couple's house and $2,500 a month. Felix was $40,000 in debt and borrowed $60,000 from Susan's mother. Despite this, Felix and Susan went on an extended trip to Europe for their honeymoon and purchased a house in Berkeley, California. In April 1982, Felix wrote a letter to his ex-wife, Sharon. He said that he could no longer afford the monthly payments. He was working hard, but still losing money. And he was going to reduce the number of hours he was working. It sounds like this whole idea of being financially responsible just wasn't appealing to Felix. He was ready for a change. Sharon filed the first of many complaints with the court in May of 1982, but they didn't do anything to help her. She was financially devastated and had to sell the house she was given in the divorce settlement. Meanwhile, Susan's life wasn't going as planned either. Felix was controlling, demanding, violent, and he was frequently at the house. To save money, he had moved his private practice into the family's residence. From 1983 to 1987, Felix and Susan had three sons, Adam, Eli, and Gabriel. Over the next several years, Felix and Susan continued to maintain a contentious relationship characterized by frequent arguments. All three of their sons ran into problems with the law, which was a great source of stress on the family. In 2000, Felix and Susan purchased a house in Orinda, California, 
from $1.85 million. This did not help them with their money problems. In 2001, Susan filed for a divorce. Tensions were now very high in the house. Felix was spending some of his nights in the guest house in the backyard. He was ordered to pay alimony to Susan. In 2002, Susan traveled to Montana for a while. Felix filed petitions in court and succeeded in obtaining some changes in his favor. For example, he was granted a reduction in alimony payments from $7,000 a month to $1,700. He was able to get temporary custody of his son, Gabriel, and he was granted control over the house. Felix also demanded that Susan get a job to help support Gabriel. When Susan returned and found out what Felix had done, she was furious. This takes me to the timeline of the crime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. On October 13, 2002, sometime after 10 p.m., Susan entered the guest house and murdered Felix Polk by stabbing him almost 30 times. The next morning, Susan initiated her daily routine as if nothing was out of the ordinary. She dropped off Gabriel at high school and picked him up at about 12.30 p.m. Felix had promised Gabriel that he would be home by 3 p.m. and take him to a baseball game that afternoon. Gabriel started to become concerned when his father didn't come home. Several hours passed with no word. Gabriel asked his mother where Felix was. She said she did not know. Gabriel felt as though his mother had been acting strangely all day and thought that maybe she had murdered his father. He decided to walk over to the guest house to see if his father was there, but the door that he tried was locked. At 9 p.m., Gabriel called 911. He wanted the non-emergency number for the police department. The dispatcher would not provide it to him. She wanted him to tell her what was going on. He refused and disconnected the call. Gabriel retrieved a flashlight and returned to the guest house. He entered through another door that was unlocked. He found his father lying on the floor covered in blood. Gabriel once again called 911. He recognized the dispatcher as the same woman he spoke to a few minutes ago. He said, murder. So he was communicating that that was the reason he was calling. This did attract the dispatcher's attention. Gabriel said that he thought his mother shot his father. When the police arrived, they found Felix dead in the guest house. They took both Susan and Gabriel into custody. Gabriel told the police that his mother had threatened Felix with a shotgun on a prior occasion. Susan denied any involvement in the murder and said that she did not own a shotgun. Investigators at the crime scene realized that Felix had not been shot, rather he had been stabbed. There was hair in his closed fist. 
It was later matched to Susan. There were bloody footprints leading to the garage, which were matched to sneakers Susan owned. A car belonging to Felix was missing from the garage. It was later found nearby. When confronted with the evidence, Susan admitted to stabbing Felix to death, but said it was in self-defense. Here's what she said happened. She went to the guest house to talk to Felix, frustrated that he was controlling her life. The conversation descended into an argument. Felix produced a knife and threatened her. She somehow gained control over the knife and stabbed him to death. She panicked after killing him and tried to cover her tracks. She drove his car to a nearby location and walked back to the house. In June of 2002, Susan was convicted of second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 16 years to life in prison. Now moving to my analysis. Was Susan Polk actually guilty of murder? Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that she was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Susan admitted that she stabbed Felix to death. She admitted to destroying evidence. Felix had just won several financial victories in the divorce proceedings. Felix was murdered in the kitchen of the guest house, which supports the idea that Susan initiated contact. She went to him as opposed to Felix seeking her out. Prior to the incident, a friend of Felix said that Felix told him Susan was going to kill him. Susan acted out in court several times. She was extremely disruptive. Felix was 70 pounds heavier than Susan. If he chose to attack her, how did she manage to get the knife away from him? Moving to the exculpatory evidence, there are no witnesses to the murder, no video. It is possible that Felix attacked Susan and she defended herself. Felix had been violent towards Susan on prior occasions. He was known for violating boundaries and ethics. It's not a stretch to think that he was capable of committing homicide. When considering the evidence, do I think that Susan Polk was guilty? Yes, I think that she was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The fact that she destroyed the evidence after the incident is particularly compelling. Moving to the next question, what do I think happened in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. Growing up, Felix had social anxiety and depression. There are times when he did not want to live. Felix resented his parents and was angry at them. They viewed him as maladjusted and did not like the idea of him seeing a mental health clinician. In addition to having social anxiety, Felix struggled with boundaries and was obsessed with sex. He became highly interested in his sister when she was 15 years old. He felt guilty about those feelings, but eventually was able to transform that guilt into a sense of entitlement. He normalized his own inappropriate desires and no longer resisted them. Felix married and seemed happy for quite some time, but he wanted more. He believed that he deserved anything that he wanted. When he started treating Susan, he violated boundaries and initiated a sexual relationship. He liked being in a position of power and control. This was more appealing to him than a relationship based on equality. Felix used Susan's interest in literature and the fact that she was intelligent and articulate to justify his relationship with her. He thought of her as well suited for him. They were a perfect match. When he divorced his wife and married Susan, Felix became even more destructive. He took complete control of Susan's life. He wanted everything a certain way and demanded perfection. Over the next several years, Felix used a variety of tactics to 
retain control over Susan, many of them consistent with his narcissistic characteristics. For example, Felix threatened Susan with physical violence and was actually physically violent. He threatened to withdraw financial support. He frequently criticized her, calling her names like bad, ugly, evil, and destructive. He would attempt to hypnotize her. This was something he did in his clinical practice. He drugged her. Felix made it clear that she would never be free of him. He threatened to have her committed for being mentally ill if she disobeyed. When Susan said that she was going to divorce him, he manipulated the courts to get his way. Susan didn't believe that she had any other way to escape. Her perception had been shaped by her husband's narcissism. There was nothing that she could say to escape his power. However, there was something that she could do. She confronted him with a knife, probably hoping to win some type of concession, but ultimately murdered him out of frustration and rage. Even though I think Susan is guilty, I think that her sentence should have reflected the type of mistreatment she endured at the hands of Felix for so many years. The therapeutic relationship is characterized by an imbalance of power. Felix took advantage of this to take control of Susan. He was not willing to let it go peacefully. He wasn't just going to walk away and give up. One could argue that some of Susan's claims may have been fabricated, but even when excluding her statements, Felix continues to appear extremely destructive. Felix was the ultimate narcissistic manipulator, one who targeted a young victim while he was in a position of tremendous power and trust. He forged Susan in a furnace of narcissism, inadvertently shaping her into a weapon, which was eventually turned against him. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.